0: Hey everybody, Michael June here with Game Changers for Government Contractors. We've got John King here with me today. John, before we hop in, I'd love for you to tell everybody a little bit about who you are
1: and what you do. Sure. John King, retired Marine after 25 years of service, uh, retired out here at a campus, Lejeune. I'm a Marine logistician. I started two companies back in 2022, one called King Global Enterprise Solutions, which is staff and recruiting headhunting hunting firm. And the other firm that I have is strategic engagement consulting works in the federal space and we're currently concentrate on process and improvement in data analytics and innovation with inside the VA. And then we're looking at contested logistics and emergency management training with inside the DOD spaces. We will start looking in 2024 on how to see how we can best serve Department of Homeland DHS as far as that goes. So awesome. just a little bit of background on what we got going on.
0: Awesome, man. Why don't you start with probably the most obvious question? How did you wind up getting involved in government contracting?
1: After 25 years of being a logistician, so I started out as a food service specialist and you got to see how the money works and behind the scenes. And then I became a comptroller. The person actually wrote the contracts, sourced folks and put them on for clients, program managers inside the Marine Corps. Then I became a logistician. I got to manage all of that as a Marine Corps officer. And I got out and I've written sales and I work with supply officers. So I'm like, I should be able to get into government contracting. Yes. Intimate knowledge of government contracting is one thing, but knowing the procedures in the government contracting is a whole different thing.
0: Yeah. Was that a wake-up call? Like when you started working in it, when you transitioned from, I think I can do this to now I'm doing this, right? In air quotes. Was it a bit of
1: a wake-up call? It is definitely a wake-up call because I've had a few of my peers tell me about last year as I started reaching out to folks. If you reach out to all your government friends in whatever office they're in, put them in a compromising position. That kind of blew my mind like, oh man, I have to redevelop relationships because I can't have my friends that I'm known on active duty across the Marine Corps, Navy, Army, whatever, and put them in a compromising position. They would give my company favorability if I approach that office for a package. I'm from Missouri and I had Kentucky windage prior to me going to boot camp. I had to unlearn everything I learned in rural Missouri as far as hunting. So I could get through Marine Corps rifle qualification. It's the same thing for government contract. I had to unlearn everything I learned on active duty Managing contracts to now being the vendor compared to being a client, so I saw it from the client's perspective the whole time. This last year and a half now I've changed my perspective
0: for sure. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. There is whether you are coming from active duty or coming from a traditional sales background, because I see that a lot. People come from a traditional sales background and think I'm just going to apply those strategies to government. While there's some fundamental things that you can apply. It's very different. So there's a lot of unlearning or relearning that has to happen in order to adjust to this market. You don't just walk into an office with your briefcase and contracts like you see a lot of people do. I've been to dinners and lunches where somebody has a briefcase and I've nudged the guy next to me and says about three quarters of the way through, this guy's going to reach in, pull out the contract, put it on the table and expect us to sign it. And they do. Right. (laughs) And they come up with all of those weird little sales pitch things and try to push the strategies that they've learned from whoever guru about how, you know, you've got to create some kind of desire. Then you've got to maybe pull the offer away. and then you've got to do all these little sales tricks. Right. And none of that works in government. It's very interesting. I did not have a sales background when I got into government. I had no clue how to do sales. And I think that was a big advantage to me of not having to relearn or, you know, look at whatever mistakes I was making in sales and trying to figure that out. I personally like it when somebody says, I don't have any experience in sales. Like, well, you don't have any bad habits either. Talk to me about on this journey for you, how much patience has it required
1: for you. Oh, it's a ton. Last year it was being a friend and we had a couple of guys with us and we just went at everything. We threw as much spaghetti as the, the wall and it all hit the floor. Literally all of it. Hit the floor. We got really, really close, but we got outbid. We tried to do the RFQs, request for a quote for computers and sanitation services and those things. And when, when we get the debrief, we got outbid because we didn't necessarily understand that particular quote. Even if you go out to FDPS or you go out to usspin.gov or if you go out to sams.gov or whatever system you're using to do the historical background, we were getting out-quoted, but we stuck to it. Well, at least I stuck to it. I stuck to it. I joined a group. We were going after the Veteran Suicide Awareness Program for the VA we all like compiled together. We started rolling together. We got really close to submitting this RFP, but then we saw it was contested. And then we saw it was in contest. It was in court. It was really messy through the department of VA. But then I used that energy from those folks. And then I expanded and I created this nursery or incubator for a bunch of women-owned, veteran-owned, small business folks. Some of us have wins, some of us don't. But instead of me going after packages by myself, I can now, hey, was interested in this package and we go to that has been my newest strategy. We're still waiting on some RFPs and RFQs to come back and we respond to a lot of RFIs, but it's been better to find that tribe that wants to go with you along in this journey, especially maybe being a veteran. If you're struggling with your government contracting business
0: i want to encourage you today to go sign up for a free coaching session with me you can go in the description of this podcast there's a link to my calendar and you can go pick a time where we can sit down for 30 minutes talk about what you're doing right what you're doing wrong what you should change and then if coaching makes sense for you i'll actually go over the options on how you can get started with coaching so we can take your business to the next level now let's get back into this episode Yeah, I I love the idea of you've created your own little teaming pool of companies. I think that's a really good strategy. Most people are afraid of that because of either the competition or the control, or there's some reason they throw out there why not to do that. And yet most people win their first contract through teaming. You're partnering with folks because you can leverage their experience, their knowledge of the customer. And there's so many good reasons. So I, I like the fact that you guys did that. I think that's really good. You know, when it comes to just the overall patience of it, I do think that's one of the biggest challenges most people have of, hey, I got in this. I'm a veteran. I understand the language. I understand the problems. This should be much faster. And they don't realize, hey, at a minimum, it's probably going to take six to 12 months for you to yep. figure out everything and kind of get your feet wet. You said something that was really important there that I think a lot of people may have just glossed over a little bit. So I just want to emphasize this. You were chasing the RFQs, RFPs, and even though you didn't submit, you learned a lot from that. I often recommend that type of thing to people like, look, go find something that is in your sweet spot that there's no way you can bid on it, but go through the process. Cause you're going to learn so much going through the process and asking the questions. And then when the right opportunity comes along, then you're going to have artifacts that you've developed that you can use and you won't have to be creating it from scratch. You won't be asking those questions with the time clicking away of, Hey, I've got to get this submitted in two weeks. So the good on you and your team for chasing some of those and going through that experience, that is a really good lesson learned for anybody that's listening to this that hasn't tried one of those yet to go through it just for the experience.
1: You go through the drill. I got, again, last year, not a lot of patients this year more, but we strategically go after things, right? The, the VA, you do have to update your D-biz or your dynamic small business system portal. Please update that. If you don't update that, the government doesn't really know who you are. Update your DSBS. The VA hits me up all the time on various NAICS codes, right? Hey, can you do this? And I always say yes. They might not get back to me, but I do respond as many RFIs as I possibly can. Like you said, we have built a repository. VA has been really asking for service-disabled subscription services. All of their VIsions out there, for some reason, they don't have access to various subscription services, so they want to know can provide a subscription service. We've probably responded to at least four subscription RFIs this year. Wow.
0: What do you think has been or is the hardest
1: part about being a government contractor? It's the patience. I'm from a military background. I have a regular W-2 at the Pentagon. I'm a program manager, a real program manager. I have multiple systems underneath me that I'm responsible for to the Marine Corps that I report to the Navy with. I'm used to speed, expediency, efficiency, Being a vendor, not so much. You're not always going to get a debrief. You're not even going to get a response to your RFI. And so that's the frustrating part. You need to make sure that you have 6 to 12 to 18 months worth of runway for yourself. Because if you're depending on the government to do it, you might find yourself broke. That happens to a lot of folks.
0: And it's not just the cash reserves. It's also the challenge that I see where people are not taking enough swings at the ball they're frustrated because that one contracting officer won't return a call. And they'll reach out to me and say, well, how do I get this person to return a call? And I'm like, you can't make them do it. How many other things are you working? And they're so fixated on the one contracting officer. They forgot about the few thousand others that are out there, right. That are buying what they sell. And it's like, you're so fixated that that is what's going to be the end of your business. You need to be talking to more people. And when somebody doesn't return your call, it doesn't mean that they don't want to talk to you there's 25 reasons why they may not be returning the call keep going back to them however start looking at other people because that's just gonna consume you and now you're not doing anything but sitting by waiting for that pot to boil right and it's just not gonna happen
1: correct the federal government is the largest organization on their earth and it's very decentralized You want to get a contract with, say, Walmart, well, you're going to have to go way up the food chain to even get that thing. Whereas the federal government, you got 7,000 contracting officers plus all the program managers that aren't responsible for them. You find the right one, you find yourself some wins. Where you want to get a contract with Amazon or Dell, it may take you the same amount of time, but you're going to spend a lot more money because you're going to be way frustrating because you've got, there's only one or two decision makers that can sign that contract in Dell. That's right. What do you think
0: most people need to learn when it comes to the RFP process? Because you, you've talked about that a, a few times. It sounds like that was one of the big learning curves for you. What were some of those few things that you think are really important for folks to know?
1: You really got to decipher, again, getting those reps and sets in. You have to like pull the RFP, go to the annexes, read through the evaluation process, read through what is acceptable to be submitted. If the government says don't exceed 120 pages, don't exceed 120 pages. But that means you need to write close to 120 pages for your response, right? The government seven won't cut it. Seven won't cut it. Ten won't cut it. A hundred plus is going to cut it. That's what the government is telling you. So they give you the acceptable ranges of what you need to do. That includes an RFQ or an RFP or an RFI. They specifically tell you, we want your NAICS, your DUNS, your EDI, your unique identity code. We want your company name. We want a website. We want to see your bank account following the instructions thoroughly per RFP is what's important for any startup, or even if you're a very established business and you're looking to get in the government, you need to read through that. That's how the government answers. Yes, I know there are packages out there that bit spin, wind been, spin, all these different RFI places, but ultimately the government says it's in SAMS or they do an RFI and you respond that way. That's really good
0: advice. If the military teaches you anything, it's how to follow directions. Correct. (laughs) You need to follow orders, follow directions to the letter. You know, don't assume anything outside of the directions for the most part, right? Unless you're in some special forces schools or things like that where you're allowed to think for yourself. But a lot of times you're not allowed to think for yourself. It's like, hey, here are the directions, follow them. And I do find entrepreneurs have trouble with that. With me, when I came into the coaching space and the commercial side, I was looking at people that had like 12 and 15 page contracts. And I'm like, no, this is ridiculous. Clients don't wanna read all this. Let's do a one page contract. And then we did away with contracts and streamlined it easier. But then we got into government and it's like, oh, you can't act like that here. You can't say, oh, I'm not gonna do it this way. Oh, I'm just gonna call in and see if we can, you know, undercut this process and try to get this deal done, you know, shaking hands in the back or through my lobbyist or somewhere. It just doesn't work like that. One of the weirdest examples I ever had, it was actually a guy from Missouri. This guy reaches out to me and says, Mike, I'm having trouble getting into government. And we probably talked for about five, 10 minutes. And I was explaining everything to him. And he said, look, I don't want to do any of that. How much do I have to give you to just give me a contract? And I was like, what? Excuse me? He goes, assume that I have this bag and I can put money in it. How much money do I have to put in the bag to give you? to just give me a contract i don't want to talk to anybody i don't want to deal with anything i just want to give you the money and you give me the contract and i'm like yeah i'm not your guy
1: <laughs> yeah you know not your guy it's not how this works and that's um, purely illegal and following the government is a close i have now like when I was on active duty, I didn't care what bills and laws and things were passed. I yeah. would be curious about it. But now I pay attention and I read the bill yeah. and I read the new law and I'll see the updates. Like most recently, uh, I don't know if you saw this one on LinkedIn or it, it did come out from the Department of Justice, sued a company that claimed to be a service disabled company and they'd won several yeah. contracts. Right. That upset me because I earned my service disabled right. Like I went to combat, I did all that. I went through the process through the department of VA before it went over to small business administration to become a service disabled company. I went through all of that. So for someone to cheat like that, that was like, ooh. But again, it's illegal. The government will discipline its primes. It will discipline people that are working with the government. I know everyone on social media, various platforms, will say say things about the federal government. The government is very disciplined. They're going after Microsoft. They just finished suing Booz Allen Hamilton. They will sue you if you yeah. are in yeah. compliance.
0: Yeah, and it actually seems like the popular trend for the government right now. I mean, they've always done it, but it seems like, like ooh, this seems really fun right now. And they're going after a lot of folks. And when you look at it, the folks were wrong yes they did the wrong thing and that really put a black eye on the 8a program several years ago around covid and around some of the hurricane disaster yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. where the government was just i want to say like blindly awarding millions and millions of dollars to these 8a companies that they met the criteria for 8a right Right. And then they gave them the money, but they didn't have like the past performance. There's all kind of things they didn't have. And this is a black eye on the government more than yeah. anybody to award to those companies. And then next thing you know, you know, Joe Smith, who was awarded $35 million is not working on the contract, but he's got four Lamborghinis in the corporate office headquarters. <laughs> There was a handful of those. I don't know if you heard about those after some of the hurricanes, like down in Haiti and other places. And it was like, this is just wild.
1: I did hear about some of the pharmaceutical medical supply stuff that was not vetted properly right during the pandemic. Like they were writing blank checks to solve the pandemic problem instead of like actually vetting these companies. Can they produce syringes? Do they have the right testing capability? All those things that happened during the pandemic. I know it was a national emergency for like two and a half years and they were writing blank checks, but there's still got to be some vetting. Got to be a little bit of vetting.
0: Absolutely. And that leads into, you know, one of the points that I have for all people that are just getting into this market. It really doesn't matter what you've heard on the street and the street not only includes your friends and colleagues, but social media, especially what I see on TikTok and YouTube right now. I'm seeing some people with just complete BS Around the middleman strategy, and around how you can not only win, but service contracts. And you really got to do your homework on a lot of this stuff because the government doesn't necessarily know what you're doing on the back end. Correct. When you say through an RFP, an RFQ, whatever, that you can do the work and this is what you're going to do and you fill it out and they go, wow, this looks good and they accept it. They don't necessarily know that on the back end, you've planned to sub out all of that out, work, and out all work. They right. don't know that until right. all of a sudden they're like, wait. We hired John, but why is Mike showing up all the time? Right. We've had zero conversation. What's going on yeah. here? Yeah, and so those red on. flags come up, and you're like, well, I heard from this lady on TikTok that this was okay. And they're like, you should have known the rules. Like, yeah, you can't yeah. do this. Right? There's all these rules that yeah, you can yeah, yeah, read yeah, yeah. in the solicitation because we yeah. see that they, you know, we don't need to read
1: all of that. You know, one of, one of our first RFQs that we were filling out, or RFPs, we were filling out, especially RFQ because we were trying to resell computer equipment to the government. I went to the bottom of that and I had to fill out that entire appendix, that entire annex that this equipment is not coming from a foreign entity. You have to pay attention to the details.
0: There's even people, this happened to a few of my clients, have all the best intentions in the world, but not understand the nuances of some of those FAR clauses that are in their contracts and realize they're out of compliance and come to me and go, Hey, we just learned what this actually meant. How do we fix that? Do we have to fix that? Yes and yes. Yeah. You're going to have to fix this problem, you know, retroactive. And I was doing a podcast yesterday with a guy who's an expert in SCA. And I said, How far do you typically go back? If you've screwed up the SCA piece, how far do you typically go back in time to correct it? And he said, Three years. So three That's years. A lot. Per employee, on an average of $750 a month per employee to fix the problem, right? that's a lot. So he sent me a case after that. It was like $1.2 million. These couple of companies had to go back and pay employees retroactively. Even with the best of intentions, you can make mistakes. So I I would say one of the, the challenges is just that learning curve for a lot of folks. As we kind of wrap up today, what advice would you give to either new people that are getting into government or people that have been in the commercial space and want to cross
1: over into the government? What advice do you have? Whatever you're selling, goods services, products, whatever you're selling, study a agency or two or three agencies. You do have to diversify. If you're looking at the DOD Maybe supplement with DHS, then you supplement with Department of Interior, but you have a diverse package, right? The government buys whatever you're selling doesn't matter if it's hair, and lawn care service, till you make precision devices that go on missiles. The government buys all of that. And they're still a the number one purchaser on the planet for supplies, goods, and services. But you got to apply patience and you got to have expertise inside of either your organization or you reach out to others like consultants that can help you. Unless you're a big researcher like myself and you're going to research the FAR and you're going to build every website and you're going to do all of that. Some people may not have that time, but coming from the government side myself, currently in the government side, I kind of know where the things are. I'm gonna research all that. So you do need Sherpas. You do need guides if you are coming in, but you also have to put that in your pipeline. Like it's going to take this long to get here. Maybe it's 12 months, maybe it's 16 months, maybe it's 18 months, but it's gonna take you some time, but you can go from whatever your pipeline it was on the commercial. Say you were annually at $5 million a year, or you could go to 10 quickly in the federal government, but as long as you apply some strategy. You cannot throw spaghetti at the wall. You can't fly around the seat of your pants in the federal government. You got to be strategic. You got to read. You got to research and you got to do the work. I know there's that thing Gordon Ramsay's always ask those restaurant managers Hey, how often does he come to work? Oh, he never comes to work. Same government contract that you got to show up. You got to be in the fight. You just can't allow your subordinates, associates to do all the work because at the end of the day, somebody's name goes on that contract. And if it's you, then you're responsible to the government for providing a service and the government is responsible for paying you for said service.
0: That's great. I'd love to hear about your journey over the last year or so getting into this market. I look forward to you updating our listeners on your contract wins and how it's going and people can follow you on social media and and find out all those little updates here and there. Thanks for coming on and talking about your journey in this market as you are chasing your passion and your dreams here in GovCon. I think it's really helpful for other people to hear folks that are in the trenches having some of these same challenges and solving the challenges as you are and sticking with it. So I appreciate that. Thank you for talking with us and we'll see you next time. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, I would really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast and screenshot it and tag me on LinkedIn or whatever social media you use. So thank you again for joining us today and we'll see you next time.